He that loveth transgression loveth strife, and he that exalteth his gate seeketh destruction. He that hath a froweth heart findeth no good, and he that hath a perverse tongue falleth into mischief. He that begetteth a fool doeth it to his sorrow, and the father of a fool hath no joy. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. A wicked man taketh gift out of the bosom to pervert the ways of judgment. Wisdom is before him that hath understanding. But the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. A foolish son is grief to his father, and bitterness to her that bear him. Also to punish the just is not good, nor to strike princes for equity. He that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Jesus is, right? And the reason you know who Jesus is is because someone told you about Jesus, right? Missions conference. We send missionaries around the world so they can tell somebody that doesn't know about Jesus about Jesus. That's what missions is. That's like the most simple thing about missions. If we boil it all down, we've sent someone to Mauritius, Philippines, Romania, Papua New Guinea, East Timor, Africa, Spain, Thailand, all around the world. We've got different missionaries, Argentina. We sent them over there so they could find someone that doesn't know about Jesus and tell them about Jesus. So then they might have that kind of a song in their heart and they can say, I'm glad I know who Jesus is. The only way that happens is through missions, right? That's That's what it's all about.
Well, good morning. Well, it's a good morning for a few of you. Good morning. Glad you're here today. Good to be in church again. Praise the Lord. We're going to take our Bibles to John chapter number 12. And uh, again, I want to just say how much I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be with you. It's a real blessing to me. And uh, I enjoy missions conferences and, and I enjoy, I just enjoy church. I really do enjoy being in church. We're going to have our missions conference this week coming and I'm looking forward to that as well. And, and uh, we're giving it a double dose. We're doing morning and evening sessions and just uh, going to try that and see if the Lord will help us with that. But I'm, I just, I enjoy it. I enjoy being in church. I enjoy the Bible. I enjoy singing uh, and it's all good. And so much better than what we could be doing or where we could be. And, and uh, you know, some of us had some life in the past that so we're glad it's in our past. And uh, so it's just a blessing to be able to give the Lord a little, bit of, a little bit more time and a little bit of our weariness and know that we've given it to Him for Him because we love Him because He first loved us. And that's fantastic. I do appreciate, it's good to see the Harringsons and uh, they were in our church. And how long have you guys been away now? Eight years. Six. Seems like eight. Six years, and it's good to have Brother Bill up, and he's looking after his father on the Gold Coast. He drove up, and then uh, Nita and your family, good to see you as well. Uh, I dedicated those boys nine years ago. That's unreal. And I don't think I've missed anyone else, so praise the Lord. It's good to see you. And good to see people that are here, you know, I was here in 2018 was the last time I was here, and it's good to see those faces still here, and good to see new faces as well. Thank you for all that you've done for this time, and thank you for being in church this morning. John chapter number 12, I'm going to continue on the theme of the heart. I don't think you can go wrong. I really believe that that is the key issue, and so we're just going to keep looking at the matter of the heart today. John chapter number 12 is a familiar passage. This passage, uh, some have disputed whether there are two separate events that take place uh, in Matthew 26, Mark 14, and John 12. I believe it's the same event. And I'll I'll show you a little bit why I believe that. But uh, before we read John chapter number 12, let me give you a bit of a background. That's probably a better way to introduce this. And uh, I've been preaching through the gospel of John and Uh, Coming up into chapter number 11, as you might remember, uh, Jesus was called by Mary and Martha because Lazarus, their brother, was sick, and they called hoping that he'd come immediately and and heal him, and and he delayed, and because of the delay, uh, Lazarus died, and after he died, then Jesus said, "Let's, let's go, let's go see him, and of course that confused the disciples a bit, but Jesus shows up and uh, Martha comes to him and said, you know, if you'd been here, and I'm paraphrasing, but if you'd been here, then my brother hadn't died. And uh, he, he gave to her just a great truth about I'm the resurrection and the life. And if, if a man dies in me, though he were dead, yet as he is still alive, he still lives. And uh, so she ran and, and got Mary, and Mary said the same thing. If you'd been here, my brother had not died. Well, Jesus makes his way with them over to the tomb, and as he gets to the tomb, uh, he sees this group of people that are weeping and crying over the death of Lazarus. He's been there four days. We get that, the shortest verse in the Bible in that passage, that Jesus wept as he watched these people grieving. I think he was a heart, there was a heartfelt touch uh, in the heart of Jesus Christ at that time. He was genuinely, uh, he, he, he was a partaker in their, their grief. All right? He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And so uh, he, he weeps and he tells them to roll the stone away. And when they roll the stone, they, they're disputing with him. You know, if you do that, he's been dead four days, he stinks. And he just says, just roll that stone away. And he calls out to him, he says, Lazarus, come forth. And out comes Lazarus, bound hand and foot, and comes out of the grave. That must have been quite a sight to see. He still don't know whether he levitated out or shuffled his way out. But out he comes, alive. Doesn't stink, just as alive as he was four days earlier, even more so. Now the enemies of Jesus, they saw that, and when they saw that, they, some of them uh, 
I shouldn't say the enemies. There was a group of people that watched, and some of them were enemies, and some of them were just indifferent. They didn't understand. But as a result of the resurrection of Lazarus, the Bible tells us that many believed. But there was another group that didn't believe because you can't ever satisfy the enemy. And they ran away, and they become little tattletales, and they go off to tell uh, what Jesus had done. And at that moment, those Pharisees and scribes and lawyers... They determined in their hearts that no matter what happens, they are going to get Jesus and they're going to put him to death. And it galvanized that. And there's, there's an important verse here in chapter 11 before we get to chapter 12, obviously, because 11 comes before 12. But verse number 55, it says the Jews' Passover was nigh at hand. So you've got to get the timing of all this because chapters 12 through to the end of the book is a very short period of time. It's just a couple of weeks at the most. In fact, it's not even that. It's, it's, a, it's a week and a few days. Okay, And so Jesus has gone into Bethany. He's raised Lazarus from the grave. He's retreated for just a short time. And after retreating for that time, then we pick up in verse number 12. And the Bible tells us that then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. And so we see that, that uh, he's come back now. After this big stir, he's come back into Bethany. This is going to begin the last week, what is called in the Bible the Passion Week of Jesus Christ. And so he begins this time, and he comes into Bethany. And I want you to see as we go through this passage now, and I'm going to do it a bit of a commentary style as we have some of the other messages, but... I want you to see that we're introduced to four different people through the passage. And uh, there's, there's not only four people, but there's two separate contrasts in this passage. We'll point all that out as we go. But each one of these four people represents different types of individuals, what their heart would be like. And I want you to, as we go through, just examine yourself and let the Spirit of God be uh, open and honest with you and you with Him. And examine what type of heart you are amongst these four people. And I really think we see pretty much everybody covered in these four individuals as we go through here. So let's see which one uh, maybe this morning that you're like. And so here we go again. Jesus arrives back in Bethany. And um, this is six days before the Passover that he comes back. And then between verse 1 and verse 2, four days pass. We don't see that in John, but if you'll take some time and look at Matthew 26 and Mark 14, you'll see that the Bible tells us that after he entered Bethany, there was a period of time, but then it says in Matthew and Mark both, that after two days was the feast of the Passover. And so at this, uh, at this meal, they prepared a meal, and John also doesn't tell us all this detail, but the meal's prepared in the house of Simon the leper, Okay. So Jesus comes in, four days pass, they prepare a meal in his honor. It's at this man's house named Simon the leper, which is interesting. And I've, I've, just, I've kicked this around for a long, long time, and this is, this is what I believe to be the fact here. Simon was no longer a leper. I think it's possible that Jesus had healed him. But he was called Simon the leper because that's what he'd become known as. And that name had stuck with him. Like we talk about the woman at the well. Well, she's not the woman at the well still. But that's how we know her. That's how we identify her. And sometimes uh, there's things about our past that still identify us. But I think that's what happened here. And I think further as we go through here, you'll find that Simon in this passage is most likely the father of Judas Iscariot. And if that's the case, and I am speculating, I want you to know that up front, but I think that based on what we see in the scriptures here, we'll find that that Simon is the father of Judas, which means then that this meal that's being prepared in Bethany is being prepared in the house of Simon the leper, the father of Judas Iscariot. And then it gives you a little bit of insight into why perhaps that Judas uh, goes the direction he does after this passage of Scripture. And we see more into his heart. He's, he's, he's going to get humiliated in his own father's house in front of a group of people. Okay? And so that's just a little bit of a painting of a big picture there. So four days pass, 
between verse 1 and verse 2. Now look here at verse 2. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. And that's the first person that I want us to look at today. This person, Martha. Martha is, of course, the sister of Lazarus and the sister of Mary. And if you'll just take some time with me to keep your finger there, but look over at Luke chapter 10. A very similar scene takes place in Luke chapter number 10. And it seems that there is a character trait about Mary that she hasn't quite shaken yet. And in Luke chapter number 10, a similar scene in verse number 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Have I been saying Mary? I mean Martha, because I'm trying to get to Mary, and I'm sorry. Uh, So I mean Martha, so we can't edit that out of the live stream or other, but you can edit it right now in your own mind. So Martha, 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 okay. There's a certain woman named Martha received him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But now watch. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bitter, therefore, that she help me. You're in a bad way when you start demanding that the Lord tell people what to do to help you. That's a bad place to be. And, and, and we find out more about Martha here. And he says in verse 41, Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. So if we go back over to John chapter 12, we see here again that Martha, in verse number 2, they made a supper and Martha served. Now, this seems to just be a common characteristic here with Martha. She's given to it. And I want to say a few things about her. This is the first type of heart. You might fit in with this type of person. It seems to me by looking at Martha that she is given to physical service. Now I don't I'm not intentionally being critical, but I am trying to I'm trying to look at these passages and just draw out some truth here. And she seems to be given over to this physical service. She's busy all the time. She's serving. Again, I'm not being critical. I'm glad she's not self-serving. Okay? Uh, she's not going about to try to uh, you know, achieve something for herself. And I think you could also say about Martha that she's not lazy either. And I'm glad for people who in a church, they're not self-serving and they're not lazy. They see work and they pick up the work and they do that. I don't think we could see here, again, she's not serving for personal gain. She's not uh, in the passage, it's just clear in both in Luke and in, in John both, we see that she's, as she's serving, she's not trying to gain something. So it's not a, a tit-for-tat type of situation here. If I do this for the Lord, He's got to do this for me. I don't think that's her heart at all. So again, this isn't critical, but she's absolutely eaten up with service. She's also not serving out of obligation. There's no record of, of her being directed that she has to serve. She just likes getting busy, getting active, and getting in and serving. So praise the Lord for that. I'm I'm thankful for that. I really am. She's investing in the right person. She's at the right place doing the right thing for the right person. But if I had to be critical, if there was something negative to say here, this is what I would say. That if she didn't learn anything from Luke chapter number 10, she didn't learn from what Jesus had said, because she's just busying herself all the time. And because of that, she, this is where she finds her worth. And, and please, let, let the Lord just put the finger on you today if this is you. you. You establish your worth in the Lord by how active you are. How much activity you're a part of, how many ministries you've got your hand in, how much physical service you're giving. And, and because of that, and again, I'm not being critical, if you're really, really busy... Let me say something about that. Sometimes the reason people are really, really busy in the church is because a lot of people won't do anything. 
And because they see that need, they want to take it up. But if you're that type of person, just remember something. You're not not worth more to the Lord because you do more. As I said, I think it was a couple of nights ago, we don't make God love us more by what we do or by what we say. And He doesn't love us less by what we do or what we say. If you're saved, you are in the the perfect love of Jesus Christ, and you can't change that. And we've got to get that type of mentality out of our mind. Now we do serve. We're His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which He hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And so I'm not saying set aside all your work, but your, your worth in Christ isn't found in how busy you are. And so I see this about Martha, and she just cannot seem to get that out of her heart. And the problem with it is this. If you're so given over to service, and that's where you find that you think you're worth more to God, you're going to get distracted, cumbered about much service, and you're going to lose your relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no sense in being so overly busy that you don't, you know, the, t- the clock's ticking over, you don't know what day it is, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've missed the point. You know, I, I like it when people get busy, and I, I really appreciate it, and there's always more to be done in church than there are people to do it. There always is, and the old saying of 20% of the uh, people do less than 20% of the work, and, or excuse me, 20% of the people do 80% of the work, and 80% of the people do less than 20% of the work. That's pretty common. And, and I wish it wasn't that way. Some people just need to get stepped up and get busy in something, and if we did that, we could spread that load across, and more people could get involved, and more people could have the blessing of ministry. The same is true when it comes to missions and missions giving. You find, and no one's going to advertise it, we'll never know on this side of heaven who's giving and how much people are giving. That's not for us to know. But I won't be surprised at all just based on what I've seen for over 25 years in ministry of seeing that usually it's the 20% that are given the 80% as well. But guys, just because you give a lot, just because you serve a lot, doesn't make you worth more to the Lord. And if you get cumbered by that, if you get hindered in your service and your relationship with Jesus Christ, then it was really for naught. Let not thy good be evil spoken of. And don't let these things, this service, come between you and Jesus Christ. Don't be Martha in that sense. Yes, get busy. Do something. Give. Participate. When the faith promise cards, if you're a part of this church, when the faith promise cards come through and you hand them in tonight, if you've never done that before, you trust God for the amount you can trust God for. It might be a little bit, but you trust Him and get involved in the work of missions through your local church and you'll find how much of a blessing that is. And, but on the other hand, don't just increase the amount just to satisfy yourself. Okay? That's the Martha syndrome. You okay? Okay. So she's out of balance, poor Martha. Now I'm I'm self conscious, I keep thinking, did I say Mary again? (laughs) She's so she's so uh, out of balance and she just really thinks the more I the more I do, the more I do, the more God's gonna love me, the more Jesus will like me. That's not true. She got out of balance. Don't get out of balance in your life. Some of you may need to cut back in your service because it's come between you and your relationship with Jesus. I mean, anyone, I would challenge anyone to tell me what you got that's more important to you than your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you lose that, what do you have? And then we see also in verse number 2 that as Martha served, in verse number 2, he introduced to person number 2, personality and heart type number 2, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. That's, a, that's quite a scene. There is so much, so much going on there, and I want to share a little bit of this with you. 
remember that just a few days ago, Lazarus was dead. And Lazarus now has been risen up from the dead by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he's been raised up, here he's, getting, he's got an invitation to come and sit and eat at the table with Jesus. And so Lazarus comes, having been raised up by the power of Christ, and he's got his feet slid under that table, so to speak. And he's eating with Christ, but I see something missing again. Because Lazarus, uh, you would think that having had Christ do what he did for him, he could still be rotting in a grave. You would think that maybe he would want to help Martha out a little bit and serve and do something for Jesus Christ. But again, there's no record here that he did anything more than just sit at the table. There's, a, there's such a picture here of, of the way I see a lot of Christians. And maybe today this is the person you are. You know that Jesus Christ has saved your soul. There's no question in your mind that you've been born again. And you are enjoying the time with Christ. You love sitting at the table with Jesus Christ. You enjoy the fellowship with Him. But you're not serving. You're not getting involved in doing something for Jesus. You're not Martha. You're not Mary. You're just enjoying that you're saved. I'm on my way to heaven, and that's all that really matters. But folks, that is not all that matters. You see, Jesus came along and He was dead, just like you and I are dead in trespasses and sins. Every one of us. The Bible didn't say some were dead in trespasses and sins depending on what religion you were born in or what home you were born in or what society you were born in. The Bible says we are all dead in trespasses and sins. And Jesus came along and as somebody, as the preacher said, preached the gospel to us, there was a light that came on in our hearts. And Jesus Christ, maybe figuratively speaking, called to us and said, come forth. And a number of us today, I hope this is you, have answered that call and you came forth out of the grave. And you are alive, you are more alive now because Christ saved you and raised you up than you were ever at any point in time in your life. Now if you have never trusted Jesus Christ your Savior, a day of repentance and faith, you're still in the grave. And it doesn't matter how much truth in the Bible you know, you're dead. But listen, some Christians get saved and they're happy to be saved as we should be. And they're enjoying being saved as we should. But all they want to do is sit with their feet under the table and eat with Jesus Christ. But they never actually do anything for Him. Perhaps today there will be some that are sitting here and you'll, you'll have heard the preaching about the heart. You'll have heard the testimony of the missionaries. You'll have, you'll have seen the need around the world and you'll, you'll tonight just let it pass you by. And your thought will simply be, but I'm saved. And the pastor's exactly right. We're saved because somebody took the part of a missionary and somebody else took the part of sending that missionary and every one of us came to Christ because of a missionary at some point. We should, this is what God has called us to. This is the reason the church exists. We bring glory to God. We edify the saints for this purpose that we'll go out and preach the gospel to every creature. There is no other purpose for us being here. We might as well be a social club if that's all we're going to be. And we can stop wasting our time and just enjoy our Sunday mornings and go to the beach. If that's all that this is about. But God gave to us a commission. And He said, I want the gospel preached to every creature. And He said, I want you to go into all the world. And He goes, you start in Jerusalem, and then you get busy, and you get into all, Samaria, into all Judea, and into Samaria, and under the uttermost part of the earth. And you know, when we read through the New Testament, they did. They got busy. They didn't try to make it all look tidy and pretty and perfect where they were 
before they got involved in mission work, from the very beginning, there were people who were launching out to go preach the gospel. And we read through the book of Acts as the Apostle Paul was sent out from Acts chapter 13 because the church got behind him and Barnabas and they saw the need. And we see Peter as the Holy Spirit directs him over to Cornelius' house. We see Philip as the Holy Spirit directs him down into the desert to see that Ethiopian eunuch saved. And over and over and over through the, through the, the book of Acts, We keep seeing that God is saying, go, go, go. And when they stayed put in Jerusalem, he said, I'll fix your wagon. (laughs) And he lets them have some persecution. And at the point of the persecution, what does the Bible say? They were scattered abroad. And what did they do? You read it for yourself. They preached the gospel everywhere they went. We are all responsible for getting involved in this. And if God hasn't called you to be a missionary who goes to another place, He's called you to be a missionary here in Caloundra or wherever you live. You're called. But if He hasn't sent you to go to a foreign field, then why not get behind those who are going? And if that means even just financially and prayerfully getting behind them so that they become a an extension of your ministry, of your love for Jesus Christ to someone that you'll never meet this side of heaven. Why not do that? Lazarus, wonderful. I'm glad you got raised from the dead. That's absolutely fantastic. Do something, Lazarus. You've been raised from the dead. Go tell somebody about it. Go explain what happened to you. It reminds me of the story of Mephibosheth in the Old Testament, in 2 Samuel. I absolutely love that story. You remember who Mephibosheth is? He's the son of Jonathan. And when David came to the throne, they were so afraid that David was going to wipe out all of the seed royal, his nurse picked him up and started running, and she drops him and falls and, and apparently breaks his back. He becomes lame on both his feet. And Mephibosheth ends up living out in this place called Lodabar. Lodabar means the waste and howling wilderness. And he gets down into Lodabar, and that's where he's living. And in 2 Samuel, I think it's chapter number 9, David says this, Are there any left of the house of Saul? And man, they must have trembled at that. He says that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. And they said, there's one left, Mephibosheth, down in Lodabar. And he says, go and bring him to me. Mephibosheth comes and literally is crawling to the feet of Jesus Christ. Excuse me, to the feet of David. I don't know what's the matter with me this morning. (laughs) Tired, I guess. Crawling to the feet of David. And he said, I'm not worthy to live. I'm not worthy of your mercy and your kindness. And David says, Mephibosheth, you'll eat at the king's table. And you'll eat at the king's food. And that'll never change. I'm always going to take care of you. You know, praise God that when He raised us up like Lazarus, we do get to sit at the table with Him. Thank the Lord for that. That's wonderful. That's not where it ends. Guys, when we finally get to sit down and rest, that's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's where we sit at the table, but not right now. Lazarus, get busy. Are you saved today? You can point to a time where you were born again. You weren't born again when you were born, or that's not born again. (laughs) You were born. Now you must be born again. Jesus said that. Okay? Are you born again? Don't just sit at the table. You can enjoy your salvation by serving Him too. And then we move on. Another person comes into the scene in verse number 3. You guys okay still? All right. Verse number 3. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped His feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Person number 3. Mary. Finally. Now I can say it. (laughs) Mary. Again, the sister of Lazarus. And of Martha. The Bible tells us some things here. It says she took a pound of ointment of spikenard very costly. Again, Matthew and Mark both talk about how much the cost is. And in verse number five, 
they said that it could have been sold for 300 pence and given to the poor. So you say, well, how much was it really worth? That's not the point the Holy Spirit's trying to make here. It was very costly. Some commentators say that if it was, in fact, worth 300 pence, and it was worth a year's wages. That's pretty costly. I don't... Now, you may... I'm, I'm afraid always to say, let me see anybody who's ever given a year's wages. Somebody might do it, and then I'd have to change my illustration. I don't want to do that. Um, but I would be willing to bet nobody today has said, I'm going to give a year's wages to missions. This whole year, I've collected it, and here it is, my year's wages. It's all yours, Jesus. Whatever she gave and whatever value it was, it was awful costly. You know, <clears throat> she takes something here, and I want, to, I want to point something out to you here in just a moment, but she takes something here that's of great value to her. It's a great value. And she takes what was possibly, as far as earthly possessions were concerned, she takes possibly what was the most valuable thing to her. And she comes in and she anoints his feet, verse number three, and then wipes his feet with her hair. In Matthew 26 and Mark 14, she came in and broke what's called the alabaster box, and she poured it on his head. This is what's making commentators say these are two different events, but you're going to have to notice something. Keep your finger here in Matthew chapter 26. Jesus helps to clear it up, I believe. This woman comes in, not named in the other passages, but named by John. And she comes in, in Matthew chapter number 26, and she breaks this alabaster box, and she takes the ointment that was in it and pours it on his head. And then she makes her way and pours it down his body and gets to his feet. And when she gets to his feet, she finishes emptying it out, and then she takes her hair and begins to wipe his feet. That's what I believed happened, and I believe Jesus tells us this same, the same scene, Matthew 26, but look at what Jesus says in verse number 12. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body. She did it for my burial. I believe the Lord is telling us they're the same passage. She starts at his head. That's the right place to start. To put it on his head like a crown. And to make her way down to his feet in the place of lowliness. And don't miss this picture. According to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, a woman's hair and the length of her hair is given to her by God for her glory. It's what makes her beautiful. And some, there are some cultures that cover that because they believe that that should only be given to the husband of that, of that woman. That only he should see her glory. That's the theory behind that. Now that's not Bible, that's just that's the way they look at it, okay? She takes her most valued possession, she brings it down to the dirtiest place on an individual because the feet is a place of lowliness and dirtiness. And she gets down to the most lowly and dirty place on Jesus. And then she takes her God-given glory with her most valued possession and she wipes his feet and just assumes that's all I'm worthy of. What is your most valued possession? For some sitting here today, it's money. For some sitting here today, please hear me out, it's your children. I'm not saying one's better than the other. 
but you value one thing more than you value another, and in life you value something physical more than, more than anything else, would you be willing to take that most valued possession of yours and pour it out at the most lowly place at the feet of Jesus Christ and just give Him all of your glory? Just give Him your glory. God, whatever it is, you get my most valued possession. Whatever I glory in in this life, I'm going to put it at your feet. It's all yours. This is all I deserve. You get it all. She wasn't embarrassed to humiliate herself. She wasn't embarrassed to take that glory and to use it for such a purpose. She wasn't embarrassed to to waste the ointment, which is what's said about her in just a moment, to waste it. She was just glad to do something for Jesus Christ. And eventually, as he rebukes them, he's going to say, she has done what she could. Brethren, when it comes to missions, that's all we're asking. We're not asking for a competition. It's not a competition between individuals. It's not a competition between families. And it's not a competition between churches. It's just a matter of us taking our most precious possession and pouring it out at the feet of Christ. And listen, if it is your children, I've seen, listen, I genuinely believe God's calling a lot more people into ministry than are going into ministry. And sometimes that's because the young men and the young ladies aren't answering the call, but sometimes that's been programmed in by the parents. Don't go to the mission field. Don't give your life in the ministry. It's too hard. It's too this. It's too the other. And they don't want to give what God gave them. He gave them an, a valuable possession to pour out at His feet and they reserve it to themselves. And I'm telling you, the faces and names of people that I've met through time who said later on in life, I know I was called. I didn't go. I made a bargain with God that I'd make money and give it, but I'm never satisfied. I always feel like I missed out. And I'm telling you, I, I warn you and I tell you and I plead with you today, parents, Give your children to Jesus. Lay them at His feet. It'll be worth it. You'll find more glory there than you will any other place. The book of Isaiah talks about the the nation of Israel and he asks them this question, where will you leave your glory? I'd like to leave my glory at the feet of Christ. I'd like to leave my most valued possessions at the feet of Jesus Christ. This is the heart of Mary. Martha is cumbered about much serving. She just, the more active I am, the more Christ will like me. Lazarus is just happy to enjoy his salvation, enjoy that he's alive and it's wonderful, but but Mary comes along and says, that's not enough. I'm going to give it all. And I wonder, are you of that heart today? The Bible tells us there in verse number 3, that as she wiped with her hair, at the end of verse number 3, the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. What, again, what a wonderful scene. Because not only did everybody see what she did, but everyone benefited from what she did. Because everyone in the room gets to smell the sweet odor of the ointment. If you'll give your life for Christ... And again, in just a minute, I'm going to explain what Jesus really thought of your money, okay? I'll I'll tell you that in just a minute. We're not trying to get your money. We're trying to get your heart. If He'll have your heart, your money won't be an issue. It won't. But, I lost my train of thought, but the the odor of that ointment and... and, um, Somebody help me get back on track. My goodness, what's the matter with me, brother? You better schedule someone in for someone else next time. Either that or I'll give you my notes and you can do it. Do a better job. Unbelievable. She pours out the ointment. The whole room is filled up. That's what I wanted to say. Thank you, Lord. Everyone's benefiting from it. And if you'll just take the precious treasure that you have and throw it at the feet of Christ this year for missions for the use of the Lord in your service, in your money, in your heart. Everyone in the church will benefit from it. It'll just be a sweet-smelling savor. You want to see a church rejoice? It won't be when the faith promise exceeds next year's, last year's. It'll be watching a whole bunch of people say, God, it's all yours. It all belongs to you, and I want to pour it out at your feet. It belongs to you. You're worthy. 
That's why the church rejoices. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 27, 9, ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. You know what I think Jesus Christ is doing right at that moment? I think He is just smiling. And He's just got overwhelming joy in His heart. And I think that uh, maybe, maybe, maybe the Lord would have wanted to say, did you all see this? (laughs) Did you see what just happened here? Do you know why it's so important what she did? Matthew and Mark both record this. He told those disciples, he says, after two days is the feast of the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. They've only got him for two more days. Two more days. And Mary's the only one who heard it and acted on it. I got two days and that's it. I don't have time to wait. I'm going to miss my opportunity. Hmm. There's another person in this passage, and I'm going to have to hurry. The Bible says, Then saith one of his disciples. Again, you do the study yourself. Matthew and Mark record this. All of the disciples had indignation in themselves. But Judas becomes the spokesperson. And so it says, Then saith one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. John is fixed on that through this book. He constantly talks about Judas, who betrayed him, who betrayed him, who betrayed him, who betrayed him. Does that surprise you? The apostle of love. The apostle of love was so overwhelmed with the love of Christ for him, he never got over that. And in his heart, he's saying, how is it that someone who had been loved so much could betray him? He says, this one that would betray him, verse number 5, here's how he speaks. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Matthew and Mark say, he says, why was this waste of the ointment made? Hey, what better way to waste what you have than on Christ? We've wasted money on, on expensive food. We've wasted money on vehicles. We've wasted money on holidays. We've wasted money on clothing. We've wasted money... On this and that and the other, we have wasted. We've wasted it on. On uh, I got to get the kids in on this. We've wasted money on lollies. You know, we we have wasted money. We've wasted time. We have wasted for us. Well, why wouldn't I turn around and want to waste something for Jesus Christ? You know, and, and Judas, Judas is great. Judas always knows better how to use your money than you do. Well, you could have saved that up and you could have bought this. You could have saved up and you could have done this and that and the other. Judas is great. Judas is a thief. And when you start getting people in your life that are telling you, don't give money to missions and don't be a part of that, that's a Judas in your life. They're just, they're a thief of God. You need to pour it out like Mary did. And so he says, you know, it could have been sold and and given to the poor. Yeah, you're a real humanitarian. You're about to sell your Lord for 30 pieces of silver. I'm sure he's really concerned about the poor. I'll tell you what he is because he's a thief. This is what John says. I'm getting ahead of myself. Look at verse number 6. Because John now, years later, as he's writing this gospel, steps back. And he says this as a commentary, verse 6. This he said, not that he cared for the poor. They didn't know that at the time. He was the one that had the bag. He was, guys, listen, he was the one who Jesus said, listen, you've got the money, go out and give something to the poor. And Judas got to do that. And I, I sometimes think maybe he just found a lot of pride in that. And I'm the one who gets to give to the poor. And here he is, this is absolutely, where's the treasurer? This is no reflection on the treasurer. Where are you, brother? But Judas was the treasurer. And so what I'm about to say, I do not think about you. It does not apply to you, okay? All right? But I told you I was going to tell you what Jesus thought of money. He's not trying to get people's money. He gave the money to the thief and the betrayer. He doesn't care about the money. It was a revelation of the man's heart. Okay? So we're not trying to get your money. 
And he's trusted. Nobody in that group thought that Judas could do this. When Jesus sent him out at the Last Supper, sent him out and said, what thou doest, do quickly. The Bible comments on that and it says, this they thought that he had done to go out and give something to the poor or to buy the things that they had need against the, against the feast. It's not about money. And he doesn't care about the poor either. He's a thief. He's stealing out of that bag. Mary, why didn't you go sell that and you could have put that money in the bag? He wants to line his pockets. He doesn't doesn't give two, two thoughts to the poor. And when Jesus comes in and rebukes him, he's going to say, you're just a liar. Jesus steps into this situation and, um, you know, how would you like to be Mary? You just did everything that you could to try to honor Jesus Christ. And one of the twelve and the other eleven, they're all stirred up about you. And one of them says, you know what? You just failed, Mary. You failed. You blew it. Now, I don't know if in her heart that smote her for a moment or not. I kind of tend to think so because of what Jesus did. And the Bible tells us in verse number 7, Jesus, let her, Jesus said, let her alone. You know, there, there's people who are trying to do something for God and you got Judas's all over the joint telling them not to do it and how they could have done it better and Judas isn't doing anything other than setting the Lord up for a fall. Man, if you're trying to serve Jesus Christ and you're trying to give to missions and you're trying to participate in the work of God the best you can, you don't worry about it when some big mouth Judas comes along and tells you a better way to do it. Don't you worry about it. Let them alone. Just leave them alone. And he says there again in verse number 7, Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. There are two key words there. I am nearly done. There are two key words, against and kept. The word against means in preparation for. Remember, two days, feast of the Passover, the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Nobody's done anything except Mary. You know what she did? She said, I've got something I've been keeping. And that burial's coming up. And I don't know if I'll have an opportunity to do something for Jesus Christ, but I can do that. She's been keeping this ointment for the purpose of giving it to Jesus. She laid it aside. And if it is, in fact, worth a year's worth of wages, she didn't do that overnight. It took time. Just like some of us sitting here, we want to we want to be able to do more for missions. We want to give more. We want to, we, we, you know, maybe someone sitting here says, God, I've been giving. I, I want to go. And you're just laying aside and laying aside and laying aside. And you just keep going because one day God's going to say to you, use it. Use it. Against this day did I give you that opportunity. Now use it. And don't hold it back. But don't think it's going to be easy. Because you're going to get to that day And I promise you, your flesh is going to say, maybe I could. Don't do that. Get it. Break the box. Pour out the ointment. And let the aroma fill the room. Let her alone. The poor you always have with you, but me you have not always. It doesn't matter. Don't give your... Guys, this is very practical. Don't give your missions money to world organizations. World care, Baptist care, all that stuff. Don't do that. Because if you're lucky, you'll get 10% of what you gave going somewhere to be used to dig a well or a bore. And now you've, you've helped physically people who haven't gotten the gospel. The humanitarian work of the world, fine, but they're not giving the gospel to people. What good is it if we clean everybody up and bring everybody up and try to raise them up, which, by the way, will never happen, but Jesus said so, the poor you have always. 
but if we could lift everybody up and get them all stood on level ground, but they never hear about Jesus Christ and they die and go to hell, what good was that? They just cleaned up and went to hell. Here's your lessons. Jesus is worthy of our greatest treasure. He is worthy of our greatest treasure. Whatever that might be, whatever you have. And listen, maybe you don't have anything more than your heart. Would you just lay your heart at His feet today? Number two, Jesus is worthy of our most humble service. Don't think you're above anything in the service of Christ. You're not. We just need to get down to His feet. Number three, Jesus is more important than anything or anyone in your life. More important than family. More important than job. More important than health. More important than whatever you can put in that blank. He's more important than any of it. He's worthy. That's what they sing in heaven. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. What kind of heart do you have? Do you have the heart of Judas this morning? Just stingy? Pretending to be pious, but you really only care about yourself. You're a hard one to pick sometimes, if there's a Judas here today. Because you dress in, in the right duds, you got the right clothes on, and you show up to church. And everyone trusts you. But in your heart, you're only about you. You just know how to put a show on. Are you a Martha? You just think that the more I actively serve and the busier I get, that's the more that proves that God loves me more than the next person. Look how much I do and how little they do. If they would do as much as I do, God would love them like He loves me. And you've just been cumbered about how much you're doing, but you don't have a relationship with Christ and you know it. Are you, a, are you a Lazarus? So glad you're saved, enjoying it, pleased to be a part of the family of God, but you're doing absolutely nothing, nothing to help the cause of Christ. Or are you a Mary today? I want to be. I got to be honest with you. There is one of those four people every time I go through and I look at this and meditate on it and think about this passage. Every time I come back to the same person, I just hope one day the Lord will deliver me. (laughs) Help me be delivered from that person because it's not the Mary that I want to be. But man, to have the heart of Mary, all that matters is that God gave me some glory and He gave me some valued possessions and He deserves it all, and I want to give it right back to Him. And if we can get to the place of Mary, I promise you, you're going to see your missions budget blow out. You won't even know what to do with all the money. Because it's not about the money. It's about your heart. Heavenly Father, thank You again for this passage of Scripture, for this illustration of people. Lord, I didn't get to say some of the things that I wanted to say. But I do believe things were said enough for you to to speak to hearts today. Lord, I know it's not my job to try to find the right word. It's not my job to try to figure out where people are and then try to attack that position. I'm glad that your Holy Spirit's able to do that. And I'm glad, Holy Spirit, that you know the heart of every person in the room today. And I'm thankful, God, that you know how to work in each heart. Father, maybe today somebody needs to be born again. They just don't even know you as their Savior. And I pray that before they leave today, they would get saved. God, help each one of us to be honest with you and before you. And would you please help us to be more like this woman, Mary. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. I'm going to sing a hymn for invitation. We're going to sing, Give Me Thine Heart.
The purpose of the invitation is to give you opportunity to spend time with the Lord. And uh, I want you to do that this morning. Don't, don't, don't get distracted. Don't start thinking about lunch. Just think about what God spoke to you about. And if you need to deal with something, just take that time and uh, spend some time with the Lord this morning while we sing this hymn together. people still praying you just keep praying if you need to let me just say a couple of things before we dismiss uh, if you have a faith promise card and you're not going to be here tonight you need to fill it out and you already know you've got peace about what the Lord wants you to do feel free to fill it out and just put it in the missions box on the back wall and it'll be collected this evening okay so you can do that this morning if you need to if you're not able to be back with us tonight encourage you to be back if you can brother Kevin will be with us again and preaching for us again this evening. Uh, if, if you don't have a card and you'd like one, uh, you need an extra one for your family or you just uh, didn't get one, there's uh, quite a few still left on the, on the sound desk at the back. Please feel free to take one. I just want you to encourage to pray about it throughout the day, pray about it throughout the afternoon, and uh, mind the Lord, do what he tells you to do, and uh, we'll collect these cards up at the beginning of the service this evening, okay? Appreciate the message this morning. It's good, wasn't it? It's good. Lord, help us not be lazy. Lord, help us not be just busy. Lord, help us not be stingy. Lord, help us just worship Jesus with every aspect that we have. Amen. All right, we're going to have a word of prayer and we're going to dismiss. And thank you for being with us today. It's been good to be in church. If you're visiting, thank you for visiting and um, please make our visitors feel welcome, folks.